Starting and running a business is hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Whether you're an established business owner or thinking about starting a side hustle to earn extra income, I am here to teach you how to show up as your unfiltered self, level up your business, and thrive as a mompreneur. Let's embrace the chaos and start enjoying the journey together. I'm Amy Tra, and you're listening to the Motivated Mompreneur Podcast. Welcome back into the Motivated Mompreneur Podcast. I am joined today by Lauren Felter, and we are talking all about design, why design is imperative to profit as a entrepreneur and mistakes to avoid as well. So without further ado, Lauren, welcome into the podcast. Hey, Amy. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you. Let's have you tell our listeners who you are and what you do. Yeah. So my name is Lauren Felter. I own the business Felter Unfiltered, and I call myself the designers that non-designers love. Um, So I got my professional start working in university admissions. Um, So I oversaw marketing and technical systems for a university admissions office. And I also taught as adjunct faculty, I taught design to non-designers. Um, And then in early 2020, actually before the pandemic, I decided that I wanted to go out on my own and figure out something that I wanted to do that was less of the traditional path. I think um, I'd made a lot of decisions based on what I felt like I should do. Like, this is the next best thing for me. Like, I should buy the house and I should take the next promotion, you know, whatever. And it was just like none of this is really working for me. So I sold my house, I quit my job and I was like, I'm going to be a motivational speaker. And then the world shut down in March, 2020. And it was like, I had this vision of jet setting and like going to conferences and doing all this. And it was like, he came to a screeching halt. Um, I lived with my parents for five months because like I said, I sold my house. So I had nowhere to go. Um, But eventually I figured out that, you know, this thing that I had been doing, teaching as adjunct faculty in person pre-pandemic and then online throughout the pandemic was a really transferable skill to other areas. And so I wanted to bring that course and repackage it in a way that I could provide that information to online business owners, service providers, coaches, because really design is critical to everything that everyone does. Um, And then in addition to, you know, my course that I sell, which is called Create With Confidence, I also do, you know, done for you branding work and web design as well. Oh my gosh, so good. And I love how you say to you teach design to non-designers. So for people like myself, that is truly like a gift and the fact that you exist it's so needed so thank you for doing what you do because people like me the right side of my brain just doesn't work so well you know that whole like creative knowing where to put things so i'm so eternally grateful that there's people like you in the world lauren and thank you too for talking about you know how you were just kind of going along checking those boxes you know i should be doing this i should be doing this okay well, the next step is to buy a house and then this and then this. How many of us have just wasted our lives away because we're doing the things we quote unquote should do? I mean, I worked in a job for 16 years because I had a degree in a certain field. Like, all right, well, I should use my degree because I spent a lot of money on it and I spent a lot of time, you know, getting that piece of paper. 
And I think we feel guilty sometimes about when we start to break away from the things that we quote unquote should do. But knowing that those skills, like everything in your life, all that experience, it's transferable. And that's exactly what you're doing. Like you are taking the skills that you were using your whole career and you transferred them into building this incredible life for yourself. And who would have saw a pandemic coming? Not me. I don't think anyone, you know, so how crazy is it that even amongst that, you figured it out Yeah, and you just did it. You know, you took messy action. I love that. Yeah. One of, when I was a motivational speaker, which, you know, I put that hat on occasionally, one of my taglines was that, you know, happiness is not a checklist. And so I initially viewed life as check, 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 you know, do these things and then happiness will be the end result. And like, I think if we've all lived, like we know that that's not the reality, but that was the reality that, that I that I guess was presented to me that that was kind of what I saw in in my parents and in people before me that it was like if you do this this and this then you will be happy and it's like no that 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 doesn't like that's not the reality the reality is that like you have to find little moments of happiness every day because I think we all learned through the pandemic that you do not have a lot of control over your circumstances so it's like literally in what you're in right now can you be happy can you find little moments of joy and purpose and yeah oh my gosh so good and i love that happiness is not a checklist i love that because yes you're absolutely right we do treat it that way it's like okay if i get x y and z then i'll be happy all right well maybe not so let's check some other boxes well i should be happy at the end of that right no. So the fact that you're saying that, yes, finding the the joy in the everyday, in the experience, because life is crazy. And you're absolutely yeah. right that you just, you don't know what circumstances life is going to throw at you. But if you can take control of your attitude and your response to those circumstances, yeah, you're going to find joy in the journey. And that is truly, truly beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. So I would love to dive in to our topic today and start talking a little bit more about your jam, which is all about design. So why is design imperative to a business? Why does it matter? Yeah. So one of the things I say is that good design does more than just look good. And so good design, truly, it attracts the right person. It converts someone. So maybe they're just a curious onlooker or converts a browser to a buyer and it truly closes the deal. So whenever someone looks at your Instagram, your website, a flyer that you've handed them, they are making assumptions about you and your brand based on the fonts, the colors, and the shapes before they read a single word. Like I'm looking at you on camera right now and you have a pink glittery background behind you and that communicates things that would be very different from let's say if you had chosen a brick wall background you know we've got two different visions right there so the purpose of good design is that you know we're attracting the right person we're communicating what we want and then we close the deal and that's you know when we can align good design with whatever our business objectives are that's truly the key 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because when there's that mishmash, I think that that's what confuses a lot of people. You know, if we had like a, a corporate, you know, CEO of a, a bank, you know, sitting in front of a pink glitter background, I think that that would confuse a, a few people, you know, and throw them off a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I see it all the time. And I think Canva is an amazingly powerful tool and it has absolutely transformed people's accessibility to create things because prior to Canva, there was Microsoft Word and then there was Adobe. And those things are at two opposite ends of the spectrum. Like, have you ever tried to put a picture in a Word document? Like it is frustratingly awful. And then Adobe, which I taught to university students, is far too complex and advanced for what most people need. So Canva is amazing. But the problem that I see a lot of people getting into is they go to Canva, they pick a template, and they just put their fonts, they put their colors, and they don't realize that having a picture cropped to a circle instead of a square is communicating something or an angled line, you know, running through center alignment versus left alignment. You know, all of these things are really, really important and need to be, those decisions need to be made very, very purposefully. And so if every time you're creating an Instagram post, you're just going to Canva, picking a new template and changing the colors, then yes, all of your stuff is going to look very disjointed, and you're not going to be communicating the right thing to your ideal person. Oh my gosh, that's so good. So good. And and I love too, you talked about Adobe because I, I remember way back when I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to try this to design something. Oh my gosh, nope. That was way, way, way over my head. And you're right. Trying to even like move a picture in Microsoft Word, it's like, okay, I want to drag it over here. Nope, nope, can't do that. You know, and then the words go all wonky. It's just like, so yes, Canva can be a, a blessing in many regards, but you know, when you're not using it appropriately, yeah, it can go sideways kind of quick. So what can mm-hmm. we do as entrepreneurs in order to create a better just design in general? What tips yeah. can you give us? So everyone that I work with, the first thing that I make them do is I say, what five words would you want your ideal person to use to describe you when they look at your website, your social media, anything visual related to your brand. And those five words are always, you know, very different things. And so I'll use an example right now is that I'm working with a personal injury attorney to build his website. And when he started his business several years ago, he went to Fiverr and he said, hi, I'm an attorney. I need a website. And he got a website and it was dark gray and aqua. And like, it looks almost like a power tools brand, but his approach as a personal injury attorney is that he wants to, well, the majority of his clients are women and he wants them to feel taken care of. He wants them to feel that he is compassionate, that he understands, that he cares about them personally. And he's not trying to give off this like intimidating, aggressive vibe that most personal injury attorneys are. And so that's why we're working to soften the colors and soften some of the shapes and make those design choices so much more intentionally. So that's why it starts with, you pick those five words 
And then you say, what are fonts that match those five words? What are colors that match those five words? What are shapes that match those five words? And then that's how you establish, this is my brand library. And now all future design choices are going to be made that go back to this brand library. Oh my gosh, that makes so much sense because you think about it when you're looking at something that's like gray and aqua and just, you know, it comes off as very masculine. And if you're marketing to women, yeah, we do need to soften it up a little bit. Like if you're trying to convey, yeah, I care, I'm nurturing. That's not really the color combination that comes to mind with it. Something else I've noticed too is that it can be really hard to pick a font. Like it, that can be intimidating because number one, there's like 50,000 choices of fonts. <laughs> and number two, it's like what, what looks pretty may not be readable. So what advice can you give us when we're even trying to figure out what some of those fonts may be that match our brand? Yeah. So two things. Um, the first thing is in my design course, I teach my seven rules of design and the last rule, which is the most important rule is legibility. And that is something that is huge is that a lot of people make decisions that decrease the legibility of, you know, their piece and the reality, like if someone can't read it, then the message not even, you know, it's not absorbed. They're, they're not going to do the thing that you want them to do. So I see related to fonts, you know, people will choose a font that's like really detailed or oftentimes with like certain script fonts, like that it's just not legible. And so there is a time that you can use that font. Maybe if it's just one to three words and it's very large and, you know, used sparingly, but like, if you have a paragraph of text, it needs to be written in a font that's like pretty pretty plain, not, not really detailed, definitely not a script. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, in choosing a font to begin with, it goes back to what are those five words and then finding a font that matches those five words. I mean, if we think about like Times New Roman and Arial, those are fonts that everyone can picture in their head, you know, without having to yeah. see them. Like you look at Times New Roman and you see that that font is, professional it's serious it's buttoned up like it's no frills something like Arial is plain it's casual it's basic not like a basic b you know just yeah yeah that word took on a new form um you know you can look at a font and you could tell what is its personality and so you just kind of want to you want to mirror those things with what you're trying to communicate yeah. And is there a limit or a rule of thumb when it does come to fonts? Like how many should you limit yourself to? Because I feel like sometimes you see these posts and there's like five different fonts on one thing. And it's like, I don't even know what to look at because there's so many things. What's the general rule of thumb? So for a brand library, I never choose more than three. Um, rarely it's two and it would only be two if one of the fonts is super versatile, meaning that it looks good, lowercase and all caps. It has a lot of different weights that we can play with, like thin to super bold and all of those still work for our purposes. Um, but in a single piece, I would say when you're just kind of like a non-designer, you never want to have more than two fonts and those two fonts need to look very different from each other but still match those five words that we're going for. 
I love it. Any other big mistakes that you see over and over again that just make you cringe? <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I definitely have what I call my no shame, no shade approach. So like, while something <laughs> makes me cringe on the inside, whenever I'm working with someone, like, I love that people are like, okay, please don't judge me. This is really bad. And I'm like, I taught college students. Like I've literally seen it all. Like yes. I would never make fun of you or whatever, you know, we're all good at different things. Um, but I think a big mistake that people make is making choices based off of like, just, oh, I picked this font because it's my favorite, or I picked this color because it's my favorite color, or because it's really popular. Like I see other social media managers doing this thing. So I'm going to do the thing, you know, that they're doing. Or I literally once had someone tell me, well, my eighth grade computer teacher told me that I should always use Helvetica on a resume. So that's why my portfolio is in Helvetica. So like, yeah, you want to just make sure that you're making all of those design choices with intention based off of what you want your ideal person to perceive about you. That is a great story. Like I cannot even imagine <laughs> like thinking about my eighth grade teacher. You never know the impact that your words will make on someone. You always right. think that the like truth. They, like... they said Helvetica, like I'm going to use Helvetica. Yes. That's stuck with them. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, we've all done things like that. And I appreciate that you come with the candor of like, Hey, you know, this is what I do. And it's okay if you're not an expert. I'm here to teach you. And you do teach non-designers like myself different ways to design. And how do you do that? Yeah. So a lot of people see design as like this indescribable art or like I have to be creative or I have to be artistic or like I know it when I see it, but I, I don't know how to replicate it. And it's like, yes, like really, you know, graphic design that you see in an editorial magazine, like Vogue is way advanced. And that's not what I'm teaching you to do. Like I've taken design and I've broken it down into easy to follow rules, repeatable steps so that you can achieve your desired end result, which I think for all of us is making money in different ways. And so that's what I do is that I break it down. Um, I go through rules of design. I teach about um, fonts, color, shapes, what they all communicate, how to design with images, how to design with text, you know, just like little tips and tricks and things that you wouldn't think about. And yeah, my students love it and they get great results. That is amazing. Lauren, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to share value with our listeners today. Where can we learn more? Yeah. So the best place to connect with me is my Instagram. I'm Felter Unfiltered. My design course is called Create with Confidence, and it is the only design course for non-designers. So if you believe that design is holding you back from converting your ideal person, attracting your ideal person, this course can definitely make a huge impact there. And if you're a little bit more advanced in your business and you're not looking to DIY and you want someone to do it for you, I also do branding and custom websites as well. That's awesome. Well, thank you again, Lauren. We do appreciate you. And until next time, stop dreaming and start taking messy action. You've got this. Are you loving what you're hearing? Do us a favor and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode.